6월 7일에 필라델피아 상대로 제이슨 헤이워드가 끝내기 말로 없는을 때려낸 바 있습니다. 켄트 낮은 높이였습니다. Oh, I, I'm I'm sure it was. It's just it's just fun to listen to that and and listen to how excited they get. This is the 108 Bricks podcast. I'm Dylan Buckwhites. I'm Curtis Coke, and we're here bringing you the Cubs news for the next I don't know 45 minutes or so, depending on how long we want. However to long we stuff. decide to talk. Today. Yeah, <laughs> bringing you the news from the last two weeks. Um, obviously that Sunday win was extremely exciting and, and needed because that would have been a series loss for the Cubs against the Nationals. Um, we're filming or we're, yeah, we're filming. We're recording. Today is the 16th. The Cubs are in Pittsburgh about to take on the Pirates tonight. Uh, it's about in about an hour from now. So by the time you guys are listening to this, that game will be over. Hopefully Lester, we uh, will get a good start for out of him, but Before we talk about Lester, I think we may talk about him a little bit. I want to take a look at the NL Central because after the past two games against the Brewers, the Cubs are now exactly where they left off before that series with a three-game lead. Um, Still have yet to uh, lose a series at Wrigley in the past 12 series. They're 10-0-2, yeah, which is insane. For a, a, a home record, which is funny because uh, you look at the last like several games that they played has not felt coming, good. Yeah, coming out of the All Star break, you haven't felt like as confident as you had like in the pre All Star break. Um, yeah, but them coming out of it and still able to win series despite not playing their best baseball, I think is a great sign going forward. But three games ahead of the Brewers, and suddenly four games ahead of the St. Louis Cardinals who have made a second half surge after the firing of their coach, Mike Matheny. I am beyond impressed at the way they're playing They're They've won eight games in a row, nine and one in their last 10. So I want to ask you this going into, and a lot of other people have asked, are asking this question. I'm sure you've probably read up on it. Who are you more afraid of now? in the second half of the season. I know we've talked a lot about the Brewers and we we I think both figured it would be a Brewers Cardinals or a Brewers Cubs fight for first. Are the Cardinals now in this mix? Are you are you afraid that they make make a run at it and try to go for the division? Well, well, here's the thing about the Cardinals. I don't know if they'd be really in the big picture um if it weren't for Matt Carpenter's just tear that he's been on for the last three or four weeks or a month or so. I mean, he's really been a big power surge for that Cardinal lineup since 
really, I mean, ever since they fired Mike Matheny, like you said earlier, Dylan, like it was a big boost for them because I think Mike Matheny was really just kind of bringing that team down, like in terms of the atmosphere of the clubhouse and everything. You get a managerial change halfway through, and then all of a sudden one of your best players starts getting off on the right foot and starts hitting for power. And, and I haven't checked Carpenter's stats lately, but um, he's was just tearing the cover off the ball and just doing really well for them. Um, I mean, I know he was hit by pitch in, I think, last night's game on uh, on Wednesday, and he had to leave the game early. And he got injured. Um, I think it was on his hand, um, actually. But I know from what all indications are saying that I think Carpenter himself even said after the game that he was uh, he kind of dodged a bullet there. Um, in terms of getting really injured. But he's got 33 home runs, a career high for him, 68 RBIs. He's about to pass his career high. His career high of RBIs was 80 or was 84 in 2015, and he could possibly pass um, that with the way he's going this season. Um, he has just been on a complete tear for them. He's got a batting average of 276. His on-base percentage is 390. His slugging is a career high of 589. I mean, he is right now one of the, I wouldn't say, uh, finalist, but definitely a front runner for one of the NL MV for the NL MVP, uh, along with a few other players you could make a case for here in the National League. But um, between the Cardinals and the Brewers, going back to the question, I would still be a little bit more concerned about the Brewers. The Cardinals, like I said, they've been getting a lot of offense from Matt Carpenter, which has helped them win ball games. Um, but the Brewers, on the other hand, uh, they still try to outscore their opponents and just try to put them away. And we saw that in the first game of the, the Cubs Brewers two games set at Wrigley earlier this week when the uh, Brewers just blew out the Cubs seven to nothing. And it was just, you know, an onslaught. And the one thing that we said too, about the Brewers that we were kind of debating about with, uh, with the team coming out of the, uh, the trade deadline was the fact that they didn't go out and get another starting pitcher. So they still had Travis Shaw. They still had, or they traded for Jonathan Scope. They have Mike Moustakis. They have Orlando Arcia. They have all these infield depth up the middle that they didn't go out and get uh, starting pitching. And when one starter has a bad game like we saw in game two of that series when the when the Cubs kind of returned the favor and put up eight runs on the board, then you see just how vulnerable this Brewers team is. And I So as of right now, the, the Cardinals aren't so much of a, of a worry to me just because I feel like they're going to cool off eventually, and I feel like Matt Carpenter is going to cool off. The Brewers have been the more consistent team right there in the thick in the in the heat of things with the Cubs, and so they're still, at least in my opinion, my number one worry because even if they do get a good starting uh, outing from one of their pitchers, they're still one of the top teams in the NL Central. Well, you bring up the case now. I want to take a look at this from another perspective because I, I think you summed up the way the Cubs fan, a Cubs fan would look at it. And I guess a realistic baseball fan as well would look at it. It um, is, let's say you're a Brewers fan. Now, are you afraid of, are you going to want to secure a wild card spot or go for the division? Obviously you're going to want to go for the, the, the division, but are you now afraid that potentially the Cardinals may come after you and, and try and get that spot. Oh, if, if um, I'm a Brewers fan, I am worried crapless because you're already down three games in the standings as of where we're recording this to the Cubs. And then you have the Cardinals just a game back. And the way that they're surging right now, um, I would be a little nervous if I were um, a Brewers fan because especially if you put the Brewers and a Cardinals in a three or five game series, I think that would be 
really crucial for them heading down the well, road. Well, because... and you hear at, they're off today, but tomorrow starts a three-game stint against the Brewers or against oh, the well, Cardinals. There you go. <laughs> so that wild card spot and potentially the out the the outlook of the division can be will be seen in the next few days. You have the biggest series of the year so far coming up for both of these teams. Um, that's going to be three meetings. They have another three against the Cubs uh, in Milwaukee. Uh, another three against the Cubs back at Wrigley late in September. Um, and then they basically, they get close to the end of the year on September 24th, 25th and 26th. So they have six games against, um, they have 12 games in total against the NL central. That's huge, especially in a division that these teams are separated all by four games. So It'll be pretty interesting to see how this goes and, and finishes out down the line. Now, you look at strength of schedule, and the Brewers, other than their divisional games, they go up against the Reds, which have been hit or miss. Sometimes if you catch the Reds when they're playing somewhat decent, like 500 ball, they'll they'll be able to uh, give you a fight, but most of the time not. Uh, they go against the Pirates, who haven't been playing that great a ball, but are over 500, who also may be in the potentially in the mix for a wild card spot if they somehow find a way to surge. Um, you have the Nationals, who are playing 500 ball. You have the Giants, who aren't really doing that great, and that's pretty much it for the rest of their year. Mm-hmm. Like then they then they round out the year against the Tigers, who have been playing terribly. So strength of schedule, it's not too bad. The Brewers have a ton of games against the NL Central mixed in with like the Nationals, the Giants, and the Tigers thrown in there. But the Central's really getting it's packed in with games against each other in these last few months of the season. And so these standings can change big time. Like if the Pirates surge and suddenly take a couple series from Milwaukee, they're in the mix for the wild card. Uh, obviously you have six games against St. Louis, six games against the Cubs. The Cubs go, uh, I think another six games against St. Louis as well. A lot can change in this division, especially with so many head to head matchups, which is kind of interesting. I feel like we don't really see this many divisional games this late in the year. And I, I wonder if MLB had made the scheduling that way in order to make it an exciting end of the year, especially in a close division. Yeah. I don't know if they had that pre-planned out or if, because there's a bunch of other teams that they got to, you know, schedule everything to, and they got to look at the possibility of, of, you know, making sure one team isn't one team isn't kind of screwed on getting like a road trip. Like, you know, they fly from like New York to Colorado to, you know, LA, then to Texas, then back home to Chicago or something like that. They're trying to avoid like super long, almost like Blackhawk circus trip esque sort of road trips yeah. where they're just traveling all over the place for two weeks. Um, but I think regardless, I think it does make an interesting finish coming down to the end of it, but also at the same time, the in terms of the wild card spot that we're going to see here, it, I think it's going to be a battle between. I think the Cardinals and the Brewers were one of the two spots. And then I think it's going to be a team out of the uh, NL West or the Phillies. Um, Cause right now the Diamondbacks have taken over as the, the divisional leader in the NL West, the Rockies, they kind of sat on their heels a little bit at the deadline and they haven't, or at the trade deadline, they didn't get really anybody significant. So they are a team that's kind of up in question. They could be a wild card team. The Dodgers who were just in the world series last year. Um, they sit in third currently in that division. Um, the Giants, they lost Johnny Cueto, but they're sitting at 500 right now, so I don't think they're going to be really in the running. 
But the Phillies in the NL East would be another team that I would consider to be there because the Braves have surged up the, the rankings a lot. And um, uh, they have been playing against the Marlins over the past few days. And I know, I actually, I think MLB just announced that, uh, I forgot the, the pitcher's name for the Marlins, but he got the, just recently got suspended six games by Major League Baseball for hitting um, Acuna. Um, I don't know if you saw that whole thing transpire or not, Dylan, but um, Acuna has been at the top of the order, and he's let off, I think, three or four straight games with a home run. Um, and in the most recent game, yesterday's game against the Marlins, he got plunked in the first pitch of the game, like clearly intentional. And so, Yeah, that was they, brutal. Yeah, and so they it just— was, It was brutal. They just handed a six-game suspension to that Marlins starting pitcher um, who did that. A lot of people are going to be angry about that, too. They think it should have been more. I, Especially I kind for of a agree. move I like that. Because that's one start, maybe two at best. You all and that's the thing. I think when it comes to this is gonna lead down to a totally different discussion, but when you when you're going to you know suspend a starting pitcher, I think you should suspend them by starts, not so much by by games. Because yeah. if you think about it, oh you're suspended six, six games, games. You're not missing anything. Yeah, you're not missing anything. You're you might be missing one start, but oh, you're suspended for three starts that's three weeks that you're without that pitcher that's more yeah. of a hefty suspension than uh six games you know because then you're actually kind of sending a message across versus oh you'll just skip a start and your team will be fine so anyway so back to back to looking at the division i i don't think anyone would want this but with such a small lead in the central for the cubs do you think the the possibility of a wild card spot comes into play well it does come into play um, actually, I, I don't think that, uh, it, we even need to think about it. It is a possibility that we don't have a solid it, three games is nice, but it definitely not. It, it's not rock solid. We look at the potential opponent now and, uh, basically right now, if we, let's say we do lose out on a wild card spot, we would pretty much, it would pretty much be guaranteed. We get one instead of the division. The opponent would more than likely be Philadelphia um who had right now has a two game lead over the brewers for that wild card spot because mm-hmm. the nl east is kind of stacked right now and the braves are playing really well philadelphia uh with a 66 and 53 record has that spot milwaukee ha- i think has it as well maybe it's i'm not sure if it's a two game no yeah there are there are two games behind or no they do have the wild card spot i'm sorry it's Philadelphia and Milwaukee with the St. Louis Cardinals a game behind. So basically the Cubs would have, if they fall into that spot, as of now, they would have a five-game lead in the wild card and probably go up against the Phillies. Yeah, I don't I, want that to happen. I don't want it to happen either. I don't either. think anyone wants that <laughs> to happen. If you I, had a potential wild card opponent, who would you want it to be then? Um, You know what? I... I Man, the, the, that'd be an interesting matchup because I think if if they played the Phillies, it'd be probably Arietta versus Lester in that one game playoff, <laughs> or maybe Kyle Hendricks. I don't know who would get the start for game one, but that would be insane. Um, that'd be insane. Yeah, um, the Cubs always seem to struggle against NL West teams, um, so I would not want to see an NL West team in the wild card. The the Diamondback series that uh, happened earlier, where the Diamondbacks just you know, put a lot of force into that, the Cubs didn't really score many runs in that series. Um, Colorado always is an interesting team when the Cubs play against they some more recently they've been doing a better playing against Colorado, but there's still times where 
you're sitting there and you're like, oh man, like you can't get past them seemingly with uh, Nolan Arenado and company. The Dodgers too, I would assume if that was a one-game playoff, Clayton Kershaw would be going against the Cubs, um, assuming that he's healthy. Um, those are the really the only teams that I would be really worried about. I'm confident against if Pittsburgh got in the running. I'd be confident if San Francisco got in the running. Um, if Washington, D.C., or the Nationals, if they got into the race, I would be okay with that. Um, and there's so many other teams that aren't just really even con- really worthy of getting considered into the wild card spot because, I mean, you could go down the whole list of teams in the NL wild card list and because every team still, uh, you know, theoretically has a chance except for the Orioles who are mathematically eliminated from <laughs> from postseason yeah. contention. Every like, every team like has a chance except for the Orioles. No, yeah. no, we don't talk about the Orioles. and Kansas City too. Yeah. Well, both those talks two about teams, them either. Both those two teams haven't hit 40 wins yet this season. I the way it's shaping right now, how the rest of this year is going to play out is going to be really interesting. We have a lot of really good races. We have a lot of teams surging somehow into contention into their divisions, contentions for a wild card. Some teams are I think it was like New York was complaining about the wild card. They they Yankees fans like to complain about not having to play a one game playoff to get into it. It's like, whatever, man, just <laughs> shut up. 27 and rules. Still be quiet. Yeah. yeah give, give us a break over here, but it should play out really well. And a lot of really fun baseball uh, to be, uh, to be played. So now that we've looked the division, let's, let's stay on the division a little more. The Cubs just finished up a two game series against the Brewers. And one game looked very good. Yes. One game looked very bad. <laughs> um, it's it, the series against the Brewers almost was to me like a shout out to how like the Cubs season has looked so far. Maybe the second half is a better representation. I was of that. Say the, the, that's a better representation, in my opinion, of the second half than um, anything. Because... Inconsistency uh, seems to be plaguing the Cubs so far, especially on the offensive side of things where I think this rotation, we've been getting what, what should be expected out of our starting pitchers. Obviously, Lester struggled. Quintana struggled. Hendricks has started picking it up uh, um, as well as Montgomery pitching pretty well as well. And um, Cole Hamels coming in and uh, pretty much just sort of throwing it down as a consistent starting pitcher <laughs> so far. But Looking at the Cubs hitting, it seems to be really, really hit or miss. And I'll bring up a a, a, a point to what Joe Madden has been doing to help that. But I just want to hear your initial thoughts on what's up with the Cubs hitting and why are we seeing it so inconsistent where we could have guys like Javi and Almora and Hayward blasting home runs, multiple getting eight plus runs a game, or we could be no hit through the fifth inning like What's up with that? Why are we seeing so in, so many inconsistencies? I, you know, I I can't pinpoint it. It's well, so for one thing, the the starts against the Nationals with when they almost got no hit with like Tanner Roark and stuff like that. That was just that in general was very just frustrating. Um, but they have faced some pretty decent pitching so far um, in their most recent stretch of games. Um, the Max Scherzer, the David Bodie, you know, game for the example that Grand Slam, Max Scherzer was you know dominant, and Cole Hamels was just matching him pitch for pitch. Um, it it is kind of you know worrisome a little bit that they can't seem to attack on the 
I, I guess you would say the lower level tier of starting pitching. They can't seem to capitalize on that. Um, that was a quality teams in the, or the 2016 team had um, just con- consistently beating up pitching when they made a mistake. And a few times so far, at least from what I've noticed a little bit this year, um, it seems like when they when a pitcher makes a mistake, the Cubs aren't really capitalizing on those mistakes that um, the team in 2016 did. And even at times the team last year did too. But um, I, yeah, I, I just think it's, it's a little bit inconsistency in the part of just not taking the advantage of when the opponent makes a mistake. Because there are a few times in the game uh, in uh, the seven, nothing loss to the Brewers where, I mean, the pitches were right there. And of course, you know, you get the, the whole comments from Ben Zobris about the, the, the electronic strike zone thing with that, with Phil Cuzzy. That was um, it was hilarious, but I look at those and I think to myself, dang, if, if you can't consistently take the advantage of when a pitcher makes a mistake, like a, you know, a fastball up and you're popping it up or whatever, you know, then I think maybe just the whole team in general might be going through a little bit of a, of a weird spell at the same time. I, I mean, it's really kind of tough to just pinpoint one particular thing and say, this is what's wrong with the offense right now. It's kind of just, it's kind of just all collectively. Like the team has just not been really consistent in the fact that, like I've been saying for the past few minutes now is that they just haven't been able to take advantage of when pitchers made mistakes. I think also, and it's it's so hard to do this because like so many it's so many people <clears throat> love calling out managerial moves, but I honestly I feel like the lineup plays a big role in that. Like, I feel like basically the constantly changing batting order right now and and moving different guys here and there has an effect on the team. Um, We've seen guys like Anthony Rizzo go from batting in a cleanup spot to batting leadoff, where once after he got out of his funk, he kept batting leadoff. And I think it affected the team because you're putting guys like Albert Almora, Javi Baez, Jason Hayward uh, into these positions where they're batting in spots where I don't think they're comfortable batting in. And when you're moving around so much, when you have guys shifting, now suddenly you have the pitcher hitting eighth, and, and putting someone like Happer or Almora batting ninth, it's like you're changing so much that it's like you're never going to able to be able to get comfortable. And I think that's where we start seeing a lot of our inconsistencies. Yeah, but my, my response to that is that these guys are professionals. It, it really shouldn't matter what part in the order that they're comfortable in, that they still have to go out and attack the, the pitchers the same way night in and night out. Now, I will say this, though. we With Joe Madden moving the lineup around, um, when Addison Russell was first called up, he was batting ninth several times with the pitcher batting eighth. And Madden explained that he liked the idea of essentially a, a double leadoff guy with, you know, normally when a pitcher, when you get to the ninth part of where a pitcher would normally bat, there's two outs. And then, you know, the, the pitcher is normally the third out of that inning. Whereas it's kind of different. Whereas now you put Russell, who's actually offensively been a little bit better this year so far than in years past um, with him making more contact seemingly, he kind of provides a little bit of a, of a not threat, but a spark, if you will, to the bottom of that batting order. Um, but also at the same time, pitchers have different ways of attacking certain spots in the batting order, and not so much depending upon the batter because there are scouting reports on the batter. But you know, for example, when Rizzo was really struggling and Madden put him at the leadoff spot for 
um, for a few games, or for actually not even a few games, for almost like a month seemingly. Um, you know, pitchers when they when they face the top of the order, they're gonna be more just straight, you know, fastball giving good pitches to hit um, right from the get go, and that's what the the strategy there was was to get Rizzo going, was to make him see more pitches, to make him get into the zone of when the the pitch the starting pitcher is attacking Rizzo so early on in the game, he's getting good pitches to hit, and that helps him go on when he finally starts getting his. Uh, at bats going and everything like well, that. Well, so then when he starts getting at bats going, why not move him back to the cleanup spot? Because it, it, we saw that move happen, and now all of a sudden he's back in his normal zone, hitting well. Do you, does a one month stint at the at the leadoff spot really necessary? And do you do you like seeing guys like Albert Amora who went from batting leadoff to batting second to batting fourth to batting now ninth? It's like. You, if you're a guy like that and you're batting all over the place, it's like, well, how do I get used to this? Leadoff spot, you have guys going after you, and you're seeing totally different types of pitches from batting number one to batting number nine in that order. So it's yeah, like, but, but my point is that if if you're trying to get one of your best bats going, instead of keeping him in the same spot where he might be really struggling, you mix things up, you give Rizzo a chance to see some better pitches, and once he gets going, his confidence goes up, and then you can put him back into the fourth spot, and then he can start thriving there. Um, with Albert Almora being moved around, I think he's okay with that because he hasn't had a consistent spot in the in the lineup in terms of where he is in the batting order. Whereas Rizzo, you know, for the last you know four or five years as a Cub, has been in the heart of the order. It's only been the last season or two season and a half or so that we've seen Rizzo start taking more at bats in the leadoff. And, you know, when we saw Rizzo originally take the leadoff spot was when, because the team was struggling offensively and it was just a mix of things to kind of get guys going and not really think about the, the, the struggles of the offense. But now you see it where is it was Joe was doing that to get Rizzo going because when it comes down to the, to down the stretch here in September and near the, the the dog days of August and all that stuff, you're going to need your your best guys to be going. And this is a team still without Chris Bryant, who hasn't been back in the lineup for um, for several weeks now, and he's been in and out of the DL. This is still a team without uh, uh, Brandon Morrow, who hasn't been closing out games for a while now as a Cub. Um, this team is going through just in general, just not only just health spells, but when you move guys around in the batting order, it can allow other guys to maybe get into the lineup versus keeping guys consistently in one spot. And that's where I think like the biggest problem lies is with the inconsistencies of it is like you mentioned, it's like, yeah, they are professionals and they do, they are supposed to accommodate for whatever the situation is. But I also just don't think it's healthy to be batting in a different spot every other game or every other series. I think in order to get consistency, the consistency has to begin with the batting order. Yeah, you get days off. Yeah, things change here and there, uh, um, as as well as the position you play and whatnot. But I think when it comes down to batting is you want your best guys hitting in the spots that you want them to hit for a majority of the year. In Rizzo's case, I can I can give it a little bit of a break where, okay, he was struggling for a while coming uh, into the all-star break. Let's put him at number one because he has had success in that spot in the past. And, you know, he's he's able to get more at bats in that spot and fix his swing. 
But as soon as he's able to get it back, let's put him back at number four. That's where he belongs. That's where he should be in the lineup. Let's not keep messing with that. Mm-hmm. With guys like Javi, with guys like Albert, um, and, and even Hayward, uh, in some cases. Like Hayward, you, you see, is the most consistent spot in the lineup. He's betting number three, number two, pretty much, or even number five in that lineup almost all year. Same with a guy like Schwarber. Um, mixing up the rest of it is, I just think it's like, you're getting a whole new ball game if you're a guy like Albert Almora and you go from batting leadoff, getting different types of at-bats, getting guys going after you to now the ninth spot, which you're now going to be getting less at-bats and you're following up the pitcher. So a lot of times you're going into it, you're going to be getting in a bat where most likely there's going to be a one out most or even a two out situation and guys in scoring position with potentially you a clutch hit need to be made. That's that's two completely different situations mm-hmm. uh, that require two completely different mindsets going into it. And I think that would take a toll on guys that'll that'll play into their their game, I, I think. And so maybe it's just me being nitpicky about it and maybe I'm just crazy in the end, but I want to see a time where we can go a month stretch where we basically see the same sort of lineup where you have maybe Elmora at the leadoff spot followed by uh, even Javi at two, Chris Bryant at three. Once he's healthy, substitute Bryant with Bodie, then um, Rizzo four, Schwarber five and Hayward at six. Like let's see the, that one through six stay consistent without seeing me like, Oh well, suddenly Javi's batting first now, and Albert Almora is in the nine spot, and Kyle Schwarber's now batting second. It's just like, let's see more consistency in this. I want to give it a shot. Let's see what happens. Yeah. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I think in order to start maintaining consistency with the offense, it begins with ma- maintaining consistency with the lineup, specifically the batting order, mm-hmm. and. Who knows? If it doesn't fix it, it doesn't fix it. And maybe you're right. Maybe the Cubs just haven't been able to take advantage of stuff. Maybe they've just been sort of sandbagging it a little bit. I don't think there's really a a true reason to it. I would have loved to see them rally behind that David Bodie Grand Slam and and come out the gates firing against the Brewers. But it's it's there's something wrong, I think, at the core of it. I don't know if it's mentality. I don't know if it's what. It could just be magic for all I know. When you win a game in mm-hmm. a grand slam one night and then get shut out the day after. There's there's just something wrong there. And that's just maybe that's just the glory of baseball. As I said, there's there's just magic at play. But something needs to happen. I either let's just see them suck for a few games in a row. That way we can be like, oh, it's just a slump, they'll get out of it. Or let's just see those bats light up again and that they start killing every ball that's thrown in their direction. I'd love to see one or the other. So that way maybe we can get some concrete evidence. But right now it just feels like we're just throwing stuff in the dark. We have no Mm -hmm. idea. Uh, And so it's tough. And only time will tell when we see where that happens. I hope we start seeing some a little bit more consistent lineups, especially with the one through six spot. You want your best guys hitting there, but you just you want to make sure that they are hitting. And yeah, I think exactly. moving around too much may end up causing a bit of a problem, but who knows? Moving on, though, the Cubs made a a trade actually for uh, they traded some cash for straight Terrence cash, 
straight cash. <laughs> I like it. There was um, it was one of the NBA teams that they traded one of their players away for cash considerations and decided to do a whole welcome tweet for the cash they received. <laughs> That's uh, awesome. <laughs> Yeah, it was said, please welcome uh, cash, co- uh, cash Considerations. It was just a picture of money in front of the backdrop, like a <laughs> press conference. But they they traded away uh, some money for Terrence Gore from the Kansas City Royals, which is a very, very, very interesting move because Terrence Gore isn't known to be the best hitter in the league. But boy, is he fast. You only know what this is? This is the same sort of thing that we see every single year from Theo. They always go out and acquire one guy that has some speed to him. It was Leonis Martin a few years ago. Um, in 2016, they had, I can't remember his name, but he was a former Red Sox, or maybe it was 2015. Um, they had it, but they, they've done this for the few years now where they've always get um, a speedster that uses, that is mainly just in for pinch running. And Terrence Gore, this is from Baseball Reference. Um, He's had 11 stolen bases in 2016, despite only three plate appearances. He's the third player in Major League Baseball history to reach double digits in steals with just three or fewer plate appearances. Which is insane. Isn't it? Absolutely insane. (laughs) That's, yeah, that's just nuts. And so it'll it'll be interesting because I think depending on the game and um i'm not i can't i can't remember off the top of my head how the roster rules go i think you have to lock in one roster for the series he could possibly make a 25 man roster for a playoff series if that team they're playing let's say doesn't have the best pitchers on the mound and you want a guy who can run the bases instead of maybe even another pitcher in the bullpen Mm -hmm. we've seen how the importance of base running in playoffs scenarios. Let's flash back to uh, game seven of the world series. Yeah. Where Albert Almora was able to take second off of a pop-up from Chris Bryant, which resulted in him scoring a pretty important run. Mm-hmm. Now, how well they'll use him. If they'll use him at all, who knows? He's going to be down in the minors cheap deal. Just send some cash over. Doesn't really affect the Cubs that much. Maybe we'll see him uh, once or twice when the roster expands on the first. But there's now that that weapon at play for Madden, for Theo, to sort of figure out what they're going to do going down the line. And it, it should be interesting uh, if they use him or not. And it, in the end, it won't hurt them. That's yeah. basically That's basically it. Yeah, cheap guy that's um, fast. That's all what it comes down yeah, to. Yeah, cheap guy. He's fast. Uh, it's great to see. Let's let's put him and Javi Baez on the base path at the same time and just watch as the opposing pitcher and catcher cry because they're just getting <laughs> run on every other pitch. It should be entertaining. It should be fun to see. That's pretty much all the Cubs news, big Cubs news so far. Um, that happened over the past few weeks. I think we've nailed uh, pretty much all the other stuff uh, on our list here. Onto some fun news after the Albert Elmora home run. The the Cubs bullpen now has gone from dancing to home runs to having some fun and playing duck duck goose in the bullpen. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious when I Camera saw that. Camera cuts to them and they they I guess if you're the poor uh, poor or fortunate depending on your mindset security guard in that situation <laughs> who was 
basically told he was it and had to play uh, Duck Duck Goose with the pen. Uh, I like them mixing it up. I think it's fun. Good to see like the the light nature of the team showing, uh, especially in yeah. a time where we've seen many inconsistencies. Um, the last little bit of Cubs news, though, is you Darvish news. Yeah, he and he's pitched a couple simulated games. Yeah, and he's uh, scheduled to make a minor league rehab start um, on Sunday, which will on be Sunday. Good. Get so him back in the hopefully swing of things, and head maybe he'll return to back to rotation by the time. Uh, the month of August is over. South Bend Cubs are looking forward to a uh, sellout out there for whenever that start happens. Yeah, and a I'm nice sure Cubs catered fans will meal flock. too. Yeah, yeah, really. Uh, <laughs> Darvish treats treats those teams well when he goes down there, so that should be a lot of fun. Um, hopefully, we see him soon. I I think a potential to maybe see a Darvish start around the September is a possibility, and maybe even see Darvish in a playoff role. It's going to be. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be scary because you oh, have a sure. guy who really was not pitching that great before he went on the DL. Obviously, he's been on the DL for more than a few months now. But I feel like a guy like Darvish definitely has the potential to just sort of come off of this if he's fully healthy. Come off this stint and just kick butt, really. Um, they're doing this the right way. They're not rushing it. We have mm-hmm. a long contract on you. Hopefully, it'll work out. If not, then back to the DL. I don't want to rush it. I'm still comfortable. I'm not happy, but I am comfortable with how the the rotation is looking for the Cubs. Obviously, I think the Co-Hamels deal is working out right now. One of the best trades they've ever made so far. Yeah. Hopefully, it keeps up like that. Hopefully, he's able to step it up in the playoffs. And we'll know in the next couple of weeks. Um, we'll be going over who we think will be coming up in the 40 man roster because our next episode will be coming out literally the day after it, ha- uh, before it happens. Yeah. And be so that should be very exciting. Rosters expand. We'll be seeing a lot more guys coming up, more weapons for the, uh, the Cubs to use. Um, we'll be seeing a lot, hopefully seeing some of the young guys, a lot more David Bodie, especially once <laughs> Chris Bryant gets healthy and, <laughs> and back on the field, uh, should be fun. Yeah, definitely. And uh, of course, thank you guys for always tuning in and listening. Uh, We are the 108 Bricks Podcast. You can go ahead and like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. You can follow Dylan and I both individually on social media on Twitter. Um, My Twitter handle is K underscore radio. Dylan, yours? Hi underscore I'm underscore buck. There you go. And of course, at 108 Bricks Pod on Twitter. Twitter. You can also email the show too if you want to get involved at 108 Bricks Podcast at gmail.com. Dylan, another fun show in the books. Look forward to seeing you in the next few weeks here or so. A lot of, a lot of good stuff to talk about. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. I wish I could be enjoying Cubs baseball. It's been good. The the good games have been good, but those bad games just like I feel like it's those, those stick out way more than anything else. Like oh, it course. just in the in the back of your head, you're just like, man, that game really sucked. And so hopefully hopefully we'll see a better showing from them in Pittsburgh. They go against the struggling Tigers and then off to Cincinnati. So it should be a good stretch of games. Maybe we could even secure a bigger lead in the Central. Hopefully not throw it. Fingers crossed. Yeah. We'll see you guys next time. And if I'm sobbing at the intro, you'll know what happened. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>